Let's open in prayer first. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all the children in this church. Lord, we thank you and we're so blessed by the testimonies of so many different lives and how you overcome everything in our lives to, to see who you are and that we can trust you with everything. Lord, would you bless this morning as you already have. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, there's one thing that probably that I see a lot, and and, and I want to I, I, in this church and throughout all churches, but this church because this is the church I'm in, is that I want to be filled with the Spirit. And as we go through this uh, series, the one thing I want to I'm hoping that that not just myself but everybody here we start to learn what that means, because once we truly are filled with the Spirit and we're walking in the Spirit, boy, we start to see the stark difference between the world and God's church. And so a lot of us, I don't think we really understand the, the, the concept of being filled with the Spirit of God. We have the Spirit of God when we're saved. It's called the Holy Spirit. In the King James, it's called the Holy Ghost, but it's the Holy Spirit. And then there's a time of we, we need to grow up in Christ. And as we grow up and as we trust him and as the obedience starts to take place and as we set aside and, and, and bury all those things that kept us away from God, the Holy Spirit starts to enlighten us even more and more. But we can also damper or, or hinder the Holy Spirit. And, I, and if you're looking at the Holy Spirit, which I am and with this message without a cause because I'm telling you, if you're walking around without the Spirit of God in your life, without understanding who Jesus Christ is in your life, you're living a life without a cause. And if, if, if the country gets overwhelming, people living without a cause, then that's where we're at today. People claiming one thing about God and, and saying they believe in God, but yet doesn't understand the first thing about God. And they're not filled with the Spirit of God. I'm not even sure they have the Spirit of God. And once you're filled with the Spirit of God, you start living with a cause in your life. And you, you, you want to go towards God. You want to go towards those wonderful things that he has for us and his teachings and then help other people. So more than anything, I'm hoping, and we'll talk about this as we go through it, hoping we can get this understood. There's nothing like a good cause to stir up passion. You know, I, I preach with passion a lot, but then a person that, that is completely lost, he can get the passion of Satan. And he can get that then just be as, uh, as, as whatever because he has a passion for what he believes or she believes and they're going to go at it. So passion is a wonderful thing, but, but we, everybody can have passion for something. It's having passion for the Spirit of God, for the Word of God. One other thing about the Holy Spirit, if you look at him as not some kind of energy source, because he's not, or some kind of... Uh, whatever you want to call him, he's like a, he's a person just like us, There's, but he's a God. He's God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's the Trinity, but they're one. And if you would consider him, he has, he has a, a personality. He has the personality of Jesus Christ. We saw Jesus Christ's personality, and you can hurt, you can hurt that personality. It hinders him, and it, it's like, just shut up, God. Shut up, Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you right now. I want to do what I want to do. I'll call on you when I need you. That's not good. So as we go through this, we want to open these things up. We serve Christ through his institution, the church, giving us a cause greater than ourselves. That's how we serve Christ through the church. So if you're not going to a church and you say, well, I'll serve Christ my way, well, you go have fun with that because the Bible teaches that we serve Christ through the church through the church. In your house, you and you by yourself and your TV, that's not the church. You serve Christ through the church, through the local church. Satan used the flesh to fulfill his plan. He uses the flesh. He uses the things of the world. He doesn't want you filled with the Spirit. He'll tempt you in every way he can. He'll tempt you. One of the main things he tempts us with is self-pity. Anybody ever have a, a self-pity party? I mean, he loves to tempt you with self-pity. And as soon as you're tempted with self-pity and you start to buy into that, you're not being filled with the Spirit of God. You're being the Spirit with, filled with the Spirit of self. And that hinders God. That hinders the Holy Spirit from working in your life. Because all you're thinking about is you. 
and what's causing whatever problem in your life. If we would quit feeling false or feeling dropped to our knees, I'm telling this Holy Spirit will wake you up and help you through that, but so often we want to go back the other way. Relying on an army of dead soldiers to march for his purpose, and that's what Satan does. He's got a huge army out there today, doesn't he? He's got a huge one. You know, time is slipping into eternity. You know, the time, it's, it's slipping. It's, it's coming to an end. And eternity doesn't have a beginning or an end because then it would have time. It just is. And that's where God lives, and that's where I'm going to live. And there's times in the past when they wrote the Word of God and, and, and the times hundreds and thousands of years ago, thousands of years ago, men were, the world wasn't filled with such filth as it is right now. We had filth, of course, just like we have now, but today there's more people. There's more accesses, access to it. We're, it's showing us that time is coming to an end. Men back there, men and women back there, wrote some wonderful things. They wrote the Word of God that was inspired by God, but wrote it through God. That's what we learned, learned today. They wrote great creeds. They write, wrote great books. They wrote great hymnals. Because the Holy Spirit was not in so much competition with everything like it is today. It shouldn't have to be in competition. But is it? Just answer me. Is, the, is it in competition? I mean, go look at a restaurant and just look down. Everybody's looking at their phone and not talking to each other anymore. Every teenager has got one. That's what they do. That's all they do. And if that's all you're doing, then how are you working and how are you communicating with God? Satan uses the, the flesh to fulfill his plan, relying on, an army, relying on an army of dead soldiers to march for his purpose. That's all these people that we're dealing with. All this world is living without a cause. And I want to live with a cause. I want to live with a, a wonderful cause. I want to live in a nation that has a wonderful cause. Now, I'm just give you just a little glimpse of history, just for a second. How many of you know who Aaron Burr is? Okay. He was the third vice president of the United States. He was also, in the beginning, he was, he had George Washington and John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. He was the vice president, Thomas Jefferson. Now, back then, I'm just giving you to show you, I want to go back when we go through this without a cause, and we're going to bring in some of the how, the how this country was formed. Well, back then, you were vice president because you came in second. Votes came out. One, one person got more votes. He was the president. The next person was the vice president. And they, so, they, of course, they were enemies almost. Well, the reason I bring Aaron Burr, Aaron Burr up is because, how many of you remember Alexander Hamilton? Now, he wasn't a president, but he was head of the Federalist Party, like a Republican or Democrat Party back then. He also was a senator. He had a father that Aaron Burr beat out in the Senate, and they started becoming enemies. And uh, as they became these, this enemy, why Aaron Burr was vice president, they got so mad, so angry with each other, they decided to have a duel. Now, see, this is back, and you think we got it rough today, and... and Politics are all crazy and all that, and everybody's listening. <laughs> you just got to go back and study your history. Now, this here, we got, we got a, a ranking a person in the Federalist Party and was head of the Senate, and then we've got the Vice President of the United States, and they're going to go out and have a duel. Well, they do. Aaron Burr kills Alexander Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton was 47 years old. Aaron Burr then ended up going on the run, and I'm going to stop right there because why I'm telling you that is that's just a part of our history, and I want to bring this back to you so you can start to understand how this country was formed and all the circumstances we have gone through. We're not through as a nation. We're not through as a nation. God's got a wonderful plan for us. We just got to live like we have a cause. And if we live in the Spirit of God, then that Spirit of God will start to take hold in your lives and move out. So does that kind of shock you with that, with Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton? Did anybody, nobody shocked about that? I know Mrs. Clinton and Mr. Trump don't like each other too much, but I don't see them dueling yet. Hell is the ultimate end of every life lived. It's the ultimate end. And that, that, that hell is where I don't want anybody to go. And it's without a cause of Christ. 
And if you're living that way, whether you believe it or not, you're heading that way. Listen to them kitties over there. We're going to go to a passage here, draw the line. Now, I've used this passage a few times in the church, and I want to use it today because this is the starting point. This is, this, to me, this, uh, even though I've used this a few times, some of you probably never heard it, but I've used it a few times, it's a starting point. If I can't get this, then I'm going to struggle with everything. So I've got this draw the line thing. It says, to reveal the beauty of being filled by the Holy Spirit and the stark difference between heaven and hell. That's one of the reasons for this series. To reveal the stark contrast between a soldier filled with the Holy Spirit versus the dead soldier empowered by Satan living without a cause. That's, that's the purpose of, of this uh, series. In Joshua 5, 13 and 15, and some of you probably recognize, recognize this already because I've used it a few times. Just draw the line. You've got to draw this line. And it came to pass. So a lot of things take pass in your life. A lot of things happen in your life, right? And sometimes you just come to the realization that I've got to, I've got to do this exactly right with God. And it, it, a lot of times we have this in our lives. And it came to pass. Some of you, Bonnie, where's Bonnie at? Bonnie got saved this morning. And it came to pass in her life, and she's decided to accept the Lord. Yeah, so this is a new beginning. We got Jacob getting got baptized. It's a new beginning for people. It's a marker in their life. So, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, getting ready to head over the, the uh, Jordan River, and they've been in the wilderness for 40 years now, and they're getting ready to head over the Jordan River, going up to Jericho, already past Jordan, going up to Jer uh, Jericho to fight the first battle. That he lifted up his eyes and, locked and, and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in, the, in his hand. Now, we're talking about Israel. We're talking about a, 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 the people of God that just spent 40 years, and now this, this great mass of people, probably millions upon millions of people, are heading towards Jericho. A great army has been, been put together, and we've got one man standing out in the distance by himself. A man stood opposite him, in other words, right out from him, with a sword in his hand, and Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or adversaries? In, in, in this flesh, in this life we live, it's always you or me, right? <laughs> Us or them. We're always picking sides. We're always picking sides, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, independents thrown in there once in a while because they can't cake up their minds. We're always picking sides, though. And what, what we feel about it, and one of the things I really don't like about politicians, and I can right, honestly tell you exactly what they know about God is when they say it, They'll say, well, Jesus would have done it this way. He would be on our side. He would be on their side. When I hear that, I automatically know, I automatically know they know nothing about God. They don't know nothing about God. All information they have is based upon what they want, what they've decided. Because if you know something about God, you're going to know that you don't pick sides. He picks you. Amen? Amen. You follow him. He doesn't follow us. Never. And if you can remember that the rest of your life, whenever things come up, when anything happens, temptation, anything happens that wants to damper that Holy Spirit in your life, understand that follow Christ. Follow Christ, and you're going to get it right. I've never followed Christ and got it wrong. Amen? It just hasn't happened. I, when I follow him, I've got it right. When I'm right behind him, when I'm on his side, I've got it right. When I start to pick Paul's side, I start to get it wrong. Opposite him, his sword drawn in his hand. The sword drawn in his hand, what does that mean? It means he's, ready. he's not playing around. You know, and sometimes we think, well, I'll just do whatever I want to do and God will be okay with that. God's not playing around with you, amen? He's not playing around. I don't know where this world gets off thinking they can just play with God because that's not the God I know. He's a loving God. He's a God of great grace, but he's not playing around because he knows what hell is. He created it. And he created it for the demons and Satan. That's who he created it for. And because of our sin nature, those who do not accept Christ will follow them. And Satan is not no leader in hell. He's, done in, he's in hell. He's not nothing. He has no control over it. God controls everything. People get in their, in their mind that Satan's some kind of general or something in hell. He's nothing. He's going to be locked up down in the pits. You're on your own. You're separated from God, and that's what hell is, the separation of God from man. So he stood with a sword in his hand. So that means he's ready to do whatever he thinks necessary to do. 
And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or our adversaries? So he said, and I, I with the big, everybody say, no. No. Just a big no. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. God is the commander. Jesus Christ, this, this is who this was right here. He's the commander. He has come, and he's still coming, and he's still here. One day he's going to come for the second time, and he's going to take us home. Amen? He's coming. If we're on his side. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. Now we got one man by himself with a sword drawn, and he says one big word, no. And the whole, this, the, Joshua, which is the leader of Israel right now, and all his soldiers behind him, he isn't worried about, oh, will they see me humbled? They don't want to, I can't go to my knees, they'll see me humbled. I can't go to my knees. It will hurt my way I command him. And he let all pride go, didn't he? Every bit of his pride was gone. He fell to his knees. It didn't matter who was behind him. It didn't matter of anything because he knew he was faced with the army of God. And all Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? You know the Alamo. Who remembers the Alamo? Colonel Travis drawed it. We have the, I've used it before, but Colonel Travis drawed the line in the sand. Everybody's heard that, right? Line in the sand, what came out of the Alamo? Colonel Travis, the, the Mexican army blew the horns, and it was a horn that, that says they're not taking any prisoners. Everybody's going to get killed. Every man in there, you can't say, I'm done. When they come in, you're dead because they're not taking, you're not taking any prisoners. So Colonel Travis stood there one day, and he, Davy Crockett and Jim Bowie and all the ones there stood there, and he drawed a line in the sand, and he said, whoever's for me, cross that line. And every man in there did, and every man in there died. And why I'm telling you this is, if I want to have a cause in this life that is worth anything, I've got to go where Jesus Christ is. I've got to be on his side. I can never go back to the other side. I, I've got to have a purpose. I've got to draw the line in the sand. I can't deal. I can't even start to, to, start to take in the things that we have in the world today. They're not of God. I live over here. I am on God's side. I'm not going to deal with these things over here. I'm going to love people. I'm going to help them everywhere I can, but I'm not going to get involved in their sin any longer. Amen? Because sin wants, Satan wants me to get across this line. And I tell you what, I'm not like some politicians they have that wants to move the line every time something doesn't go their way because they're too feared to do anything. I'm not moving the line because God set the line. He set it. I'm not moving it. I crossed over the day I asked him to come in my life. I'm not going back. I'm set. I'm coming with him. I'm being filled by the Spirit. I want to continue to be filled by the Spirit. And every time I start to look over here, every time I start to put a toe over here, I start to damper the Holy Spirit, and my walk with God has come to a dead stop because I'm not longer being filled with the Spirit. I'm too busy looking at the other side. Does that make sense to you guys? You know, if we could get a church that was filled with the Holy Spirit, my goodness, my goodness, what would what could happen? So he said, no, but as commander. In other words, as I have the authority of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. You know, we open up this altar every Sunday, and when I go to other churches and preach, it's very seldom I see anybody come to the altar. I think one of the churches I preached in last year, I... I got done, and I see nobody at the altar, and I said, my goodness. <laughs> How can you not come to the altar? Because this is where we do business. You say, well, I can do business out there. Sure you can. Sure you can, and that's okay. But boy, when you get up here, it's like right here. We, right, right here, we read it. You're coming to Christ, and you're falling in front of him. And you're giving glory to him, and you're humbling yourself. That means something to God. I worship and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Boy, when you fall on your knees, you're wanting to hear what God's got to say, aren't you? And you're starting to say, okay, I, I want to be here, the word of God. I want to live it, and I want to be filled by it. Amen? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandals off your feet. 
off your foot. Now you look at that and say, what in the world? Well, you know what? You don't have to understand why God asked him to take his foot off. You just have to do it. Amen? See, a lot of things I don't understand why God asks us to do that. Take your sandals off. I know it's because God's holy. He wants us to be completely holy in front of him. But you just sometimes you don't understand it. Just do it. Just be obedient because that's what he's asking. It's just a test of being obedient. Be obedient. What would happen if Joshua said, well, I'll kneel before you, but I'm not going to take off my shoes before you? What would happen? You think God's going to be satisfied with one obedient act and not another? He wants all of you, every ounce of you, to be obedient to his word. For the place where you stand is holy, and Joshua did so. Joshua was a man of God. In 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, this is a charge. This is what I'm charging with today as a church. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead and is appearing and in his kingdom. Who's God going to judge? The living and the dead. He's going to judge the ones that are lost, the ones that are going to the hell, and he's going to judge the ones that are not lost. He judge us on what we've done for him since we, since we accepted him in our lives. They can't judge me on sin because my sin is covered behind the spirit, behind the love of God and the grace of cross. But he will definitely judge me on the things that I've done for him. And I often wonder, I wonder if that is, how many times have I dampened the Holy Spirit? And how many times have I let the Holy Spirit fill me up? I want to go to the Lord knowing that I've done everything he's asked me to do. Everything. And be filled with his spirit that I can see him clearer in my life. It says here, who will judge the living and the dead and his appearing and his kingdom? Verse 2, preach the word. Preach the word. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Timothy, but he's also talking to everybody. Not just talking to preachers, he's talking to everybody. Amen? I spent hours the other night, <clears throat> and the rain, it was raining and storming and out, and I had to go out, and I didn't want to go out. I did not want to go out. I was tired. I'd been in Kentucky working all day. I was hot, sweaty, and I got a phone call. And I had to go. I mean, Vicky says, why are you going? Well, I got to go. And I, just, I spent several hours with some parents of a, of a young man, and I promise you, I looked at him and said, I don't want to be here. Because I like to be honest with people. I didn't want to be there. I never met these people in my life. And I didn't want to be there at all, but I knew I had to go there. Amen. I'm just, sometimes I don't want to do what God wants me to do. You know what? And, then, and when I got done with this, and I'll explain a little more to you, when I got done with this, I had to repent of that. You know why? Because God was offering me a spiritual blessing. <laughs> and I, in the physical body, in the self-pity part of my body, I didn't want to do it. I don't want your blessing, God. How foolish of me. And when I got out of there, I thought, my goodness, I almost blissed, missed a blessing that God wanted to give my spirit. So you live in the flesh, but you also have a, a, a soul. Everybody say, I've got a soul. Everybody says, that soul's going home. Now, where it's going is between you and God. But I'll tell you, your soul's going home, either to heaven or hell, amen? And you're not going to like hell, and you ain't coming out. So I have this spirit in me that wants to be blessed by God, that wants to do these things, but I also have this flesh in me that just downright gets tired and gets grumpy and meh, 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 meh. Dale, you got that problem? I got that problem. Bill, you got that problem? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But see, the thing about it is, you just go. You just go. And you do what God's asking you to do. And I can tell you one thing. God will change your attitude. He will. And as I knocked on that door, never met these people in my life. As I knocked out the door and I left this young guy in the car, and I said, just stay there. He's had trouble with his parents and because he wouldn't be obedient to his parents and all kinds of things. And I said, just stay there, and I'll go talk to him. And the kid was like this, shaking to death, because he knew he had to confront his parents in something very deep and very serious. So I knock on the door, and I say, can I come in? And so I commit to talking to these parents, and I tell them I'm only here for one reason, because God asked me to be here. And you can either listen to me or not listen to me. And, and they were prayerful parents. And about an hour went by, and we brought the son in. And a lot of things were discussed. A lot of issues were discussed. But God's starting to do a great healing in a family that needs healed, right? And he used a reluctant servant to start that. See, God will use anybody, amen? 
he will use with anybody. I can be reluctant, but I still have to say go. I still say, I'll go, God, I'll go. Even though I don't want to go, I'll go. And God will use you. Then when you're done with it, he'll say, you almost missed that blessing, Paul. How'd that work out for you? See, in my flesh, I missed it, but in my spirit, I didn't. And I had to stop and pray over that and repent over that. So many times God wants to bless us, but so many times the flesh doesn't want to be blessed, but the Spirit does. And I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that when the flesh wants to get involved, the Spirit says, no, stand back. Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Sometimes this country's in a great revival. The whole world's been in great revivals at times. And right now, it's not in any, any such, no way it's in a revival. And after 9-11 happened, there was starting a, a, a people started going back to church, and everybody wanted to be in church, if you remember back then. People of churches were being filled up, and things started to look like they were happening, but it was very quick, and it was done and over with. And Satan just moves in more and more. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort, which is encourage. Convince. How do I convince people? I'll tell you what. You, you ones that come up here with the testimonies this morning, you convinced me. You convinced me. You convinced me about your lives. You can do that. You don't have to have the cardboard. You convince people with your testimonies of what God's done in your life. Rebuke. Oh boy, that's, that's that word where we get into rebuke these days and all of a sudden we're judging, right? Well, I'm going to hold you accountable. And if you want to call me judging, that's your business. I don't care. I'm going to hold people accountable. And people leave the church and people do whatever they want to do. But I'm going to answer to God, not you. Amen? And you're going to answer to God, not me. I'm not going to answer it for you, God, for you, you alone. Exhort, encourage people, encourage people. Oftentimes, when I send out my text messages, I say, smile, smile. You know, the world doesn't do much smiling anymore, except when they receive what they want. Then it's a short-lived smile. We need to smile more. We need to encourage people more. We need to preach more. We need to love more. With all long-suffering and teaching, the long-suffering is a tough thing, isn't it? Like the other night, it was, a long, it was hours of long-suffering. And every time we would, I would, they would talk and talk and, and worked out things, and it was great and it was beautiful. And all thing I could understand was I need to get out of the way of these people and let them fill this between them. And I would wait for the, somebody to be quiet a little bit, and then I would take off and try my best. And to be honest with you, listening to this family, I've, I've heard these words just from different people. I've heard it. I'll be honest with you, it was long-suffering. I, I mean, because I knew what they were going to say before they said it. I knew it. I know what teenagers do. I was a teenager. It was a long time ago, but I was still a teenager. And I'm also a parent, so I know how parents react. I know how teenagers react. It's not hard to figure out. And I know how teenagers react when they're in rebellion of their parents and rebellion of God. It's a terrible thing but I know how it happens. So we do it with long-suffering. After all, it isn't about us, is it? It never has been. It's about God. And teaching. Teaching. When you're involved with people and you're filled with the Spirit, some of the best teaching you do is keep your mouth quiet. And let God work things out. And you open your mouth when God gives you the wisdom to open your mouth. The Holy Spirit opens your mouth. There's been sermons I didn't want to give. There's been times in funerals and different things I didn't want to do. And then when I get up there, God just takes over and empowers you to give words you never knew you'd have any idea you'd say. And he also tells you to be quiet when time to be quiet. When you're filled with the Spirit. Amen? I want to live a life that has a cause. I don't want to live a life that didn't have a cause. I don't want to live a life and end up finding myself in hell someday, which I can't because I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. But even I want to live a life so full of God, so full of the Spirit, that I have a prosperous life. Amen? 
I have a life that people will look at me and not I want them to follow me, but I want them to see the life that God's given me. And it isn't about things, amen? The things have nothing to do with it. There's people, in, like I said last week, in China and Ethiopia and places throughout this world and in Muslim countries that are, are far more ahead of me, and they have nothing. But I can look at them and say, that's how I want, that's the spirit I want. And it's not about the things in your life. It's about the spirit in your life. As Americans, we've got to get over this stuff. Satan uses it. For the time will come, and everybody knows this verse, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. I see a lot of people using that verse from time to time. Well, i got news for you. That, that time has been around for a while, hasn't it? And let's face it, it's been around for a while. But, that three-little word, but, we've never had the social media like we have now. We've never had instant out to the world like we have now. We've got something over here, what's it called, Periscope? I'm going out all over the world right now. The SoundCloud, we'll have people listen all over the world just a few minutes after the summer's done. We've never had that before. Never. So for the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine. Well, we're at that time. Now, I don't know what the future is going to bring. I have no idea what more technology can bring in. Or, but I know that you can't get much quicker than what we've got now, getting out to the whole entire world. I mean, it's in right now, isn't it? Right? What's the right word? Somebody give me a right word. There you go. That's exactly right. Say it again. Instantaneous. And sound doctrine is one thing. It's not being a... Uh, a Catholic or a Baptist or a uh, Methodist or Nazarene. It's not being, that's not, sound doctrine is this. Amen? It's this. Following it as closely as we know how. We have so many different kind of denominations because we can't seem to make up our minds on anything. We're human. We live in the flesh. That's the doctrine we're talking about. Jesus Christ crucified. Everybody say, Jesus Christ crucified. Amen. For the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Let's break for a minute. How much time I got? Let's break for a minute. Own desires. Well, we're living in a time now that our own desires are very much out there, isn't it? We can't tell right from wrong anymore according to the world. I can tell because I'm living by sound doctrine. See, if I've got my heart set in sound doctrine, I'm being filled with the Spirit. I'm living with a cause. I'm not living without a cause. I've got sound doctrine. I can see this. I can understand this. Because they have itchy ears. What is itchy ears? It's not just your ear itch. It's a spirit of, of your flesh and the spirit that just wants more than what God wants to give me. You know, people come to these churches and because they don't have the, the things they want, they go off and whatever. They're not looking to find out what God wants for them. They're looking to find out what they want. There they've picked a side again, haven't they? They've picked that side again. People come in here and they'll go out because it's, the preaching's too hard. We do things different. Too hard. They can't quite understand it. And like I tell you, they never, they usually don't ever go to another church. And about every time I follow up with somebody, they don't go to other churches. They just stop going. The itchy ears have caused them to, to run and go other places. They will heap up for themselves teachers, their own thoughts, their own desires, whatever suits their fancy, whatever is different from this, from the word of God, from the sound doctrine. They'll go somewhere else and think that will be okay, and it won't be. Because someday they're going to die, aren't they? And then they're going to face the commander of the army of the Lord. And they will turn their ears away from the truth. And if we're not in that state right now, I don't know where we're at. I got something on the principle I'm going to show you in a minute that's going to highlight that. And be turned aside to fables. What in the world is Fables. Well, see, today the world wants to tell us this is a fable. A fable is something that didn't happen, but it's like you thought you could almost happen or whatever. You've made it up, and it's a Huckleberry Finn or something like that, you know. Tom Sawyer, fables. 
something that did not take place. And five, but you, church, be watchful in all things. In what? In what? In, in what? All things, right? In all things, endure. That's a word that the church needs to really grab a hold of. I want to endure all these things that are coming at us. In other words, I have, to, I have to be focused up on God. I have to be on this side of the line where God has asked me to be. I have to know the sound doctrine. Then I've got to endure all the things that come after us. You endure it. You don't do it in your own strength because you're being filled with the Spirit of God and He endures it for you. And when you let the flesh get in the way is when you start to Get tired and start to complain and start the self-pity parties because your flesh is in the way. Endure afflictions. That's those afflictions that come upon us. Do the work of an evangelist. The disciples were evangelists. Jesus was an evangelist. It's the, the word of God that he's given you. Spread the gospel. Amen? If you were here Tuesday night, you heard the gospel. And you heard it with both ears and I laid her out. Spread the gospel. It may hurt, but you do it anyway. Amen? You spread the gospel. You give it everything you know, and you spread it so it goes out through the whole world. And right now, it's being spread all over the world. Fulfill your ministry. I don't want to die and not fulfill my ministry that God's given me. I want to fulfill the ministry he's given me. But I have to be filled with the Spirit. I have to have the sound doctrine to do that. I have to make sure I'm on the right side of the line. I've got to make sure that he's my commander, not me. That I can be filled with that. Let us consider that a congregation that is Spirit-filled will be useful to a race of men. Amen? That's Tozer for you. So a congregation that is filled with the Spirit of God, you're useful to men. You can help them get past the problems and the situations in their life. And this is what I wanted to give you. The day shame died. The day shame died. Morality was buried by its side. In this country, in this world we live in, what used to be shame, what I understood was shame, I don't, I'm not sure if there's any shame left. Nobody seems to to be ashamed of anything anymore. And that gives another understanding that we are in the last days because there's no shame left. People are embarrassed about the things in their life. Used to be, people would be embarrassed about things. I have a niece that when she was 15 years old, she got pregnant. And her parents were good parents. This is, things happen. They were embarrassed about it. It was great shame brought upon the family. She had the baby and the, and the boys in his 40s, early 40s right now. But that was a time many, many years ago, from 25 years ago, that there was still shame in the world. They were ashamed of what took place. Today, they, they glorify it. And they act like it's, well, it's no big deal because everybody does it. Well, I, I got news for you. I'm on this side of the line, and I'm looking at that, and I'm saying, my goodness. What in the, why, why? I don't understand this. I understand it that they're definitely not on God's side. Got me? Because shame doesn't exist in their life. Morality, morals, a line in the sand that says, I won't do that because it's wrong. It is wrong. Political correctness says nothing's wrong. Just the way you look at it's wrong. We have a part of this nation that is so dead bent on sitting and going to hell that I can't believe that people gather hold of that. Morality and shame, it comes from the Word of God because it's the Word of God. We learn what it is because we believe the truth of God. And we're living in a time that nobody cares about it. They don't care anymore. Yeah, yeah, they stop by. They don't care. What well, is the word and truth of God? But we have an opportunity to be blessed. To live on the right side where God wants us to be. 
and to give them the truth no matter what the cost. Amen? Now, I'm going to tell you something. You'll fold and you'll run away like a little sick puppy if you don't have the Spirit of God within you. If you're dealing with all, if the only thing you've got is you're dealing with yourself and what you think the Bible might say, you're going to fold and run. I got this little toy up here today. Kids, little kids back here love it, and they play with it, and they jerk on it. They try to pull its arms off, try to pluck its eyes out. All them sweet little babies we have. Bite its nose off. Pull on its ears. But look at it. It's so cute, right? Sin does things to us that are very hard to believe that we can even do it. Well, i got news for you. We can look at this little toy. That's what you are to Satan. When you allow him to overpower you, when you're not being filled with the Spirit, you're being filled with something else. Amen? And it's called Satan. It's called temptations. And you're like a little baby. You're like a little toy in his hand. He can do whatever he wants. And you think, no, 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 no. Have you read the news lately about the the, the, the most awful things that take place in this world. I used to think years ago that Jeffrey Dahmer, in which most of you don't remember who he is, he was a terrible man. But man, he's a Sunday school teacher compared to people today. I mean, we got mothers and people that are doing things to their babies. That I, just, I just can't believe it. We got men raping little babies. Do you, what do you think? That is Satan, my friends. That is demons taking over the population. Now, you've got to understand that. They are not on God's side. And as the world tells us that their morals and shame, is, there's no such thing as that anymore. Because they throw this out. And that causes us to live without a cause. And it's bringing us to the end time. And the more we look over here and, and act like we're something that we're not, and we keep putting one foot on each side of the line, the more you become a play toy in Satan's hands. And your life crumbles and falls apart. You know, I can't believe this is happening. Well, you're just a toy, my friend. But when you come over here, that toy is thrown away. You've got the power of God on your side. Amen? You've got the Holy Spirit of God on your side. He lives within you. There's nothing that cannot be accomplished through him. Nothing. And the only thing that stops it is you. I say that constantly in this church. You, you're not trying to further yourself with the truth and love of God. You take a little bit of it and say that would be enough. You're continually in bad habits and stay there. And you wonder why things happen so much and so drastically to your life. We have a God that loves you with great passion, a wonderful passion. Not full of hate or full of anything, but pure, unconditional love. And he says, come to me, and I'll give you rest. Come to me. You'll never have to drink of water ever. I'll fill you up. Come to me. Not come to the idea of God. Not come to, uh, uh, oh, I'm going to feel better if I come to him. I'm in a circumstance. I guess I better go over to God. Maybe he'll fix it for a little while. But come to him with everything that you are. I told that young man the other night, I said, you've got to surrender everything that you are to God. And if you continue to play with God, he will not play with you. You've got to surrender it all. Well, you know, one of the things I'm really, I'm really over is people coming through this church and saying they surrender to God and they don't. I'm really past it. I'm really, I'm really getting tired of it. So I guess I, one of the things I want to do is teach you how to be filled with the Spirit of God, that you can recognize that so we learn how to pray for those people. Because I get tired, not tired of the, of the people, I'm tired of the sin that's destroying the people. I, don't, I want to love them, I want to get them stronger in God. Now if they leave, they leave, but if they stay, they stay, and their obligation is to learn the Word of God. Amen? You're going to hear one thing in this church, the truth of God. You're going to learn how to do it, how to live by it. But I will never compromise with the Word of God, and I don't expect you to. And because I don't expect you to, people get mad at me. I don't expect you to compromise with God. Amen? 
If you want to compromise with God, if that's what you want in your life, go find another church. They're out there. But in this church, we follow the truth and the word of God, no matter how bad it hurts. Amen? Because he's my commander. I have drawn a line, and I will not go past it, not for any one. And if I do, may the Lord take me out, because I don't want to. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. I don't want to sound like I'm mean, but I love God, and I want you to love him like passion, with great passion. He died on that cross for you because of love and grace he wants to pour out upon you. And Satan hates you. He hates God. He hates everything about it, and he wants you to live your life without a cause and die and go to hell. This great nation we live in, as we go through these messages, I'm not talking about Republicans and Democrats and liberals and conservatives. I'm talking about the word and truth of God. And when we get through with it, you'll have to decide who you vote for. Amen? I will never vote for a liar. Never! I will never vote for somebody that that aborts children. Never! Never! I'll never vote for somebody that takes the word of God and could care less about it and twist and turn the scriptures. Never! Never. So we have difficulty sometimes when we look at this world and this country. And it's a tough time we're in, amen? I'm going to tell you something. We better start getting stuff right. We better start getting it right. There'll be nothing left to get right. The day is shame. The day shame died. I'm not sure when that day happened, but I think it happened in the 60s when we threw prayer out of school. I think it really started then. The hippie movement. Culture moving against God. Morality was buried by his side. I'm not sure when morality was buried by his side, but maybe in 1973 when abortion took place and we said okay with it. And if we can do away with these things which we have in this country, then anything can stand. Amen? Anything. But it doesn't have to be that way. It starts with you. It starts with everyone in here. Everyone in here, you meet hundreds of people throughout the week. Some of you meet thousands of people throughout the week. Start looking at those people as your ministry, as what God wants you to do. Put a smile upon your face, even in the hardest day you're having, put a smile upon your face because God wants to bless you every single day. Amen? He wants to fill you with his spirit. He wants you to live a life with such a wonderful cause. And when you get tired as such as I do, Sometimes the flesh takes over. But if you'll just say, okay, I'll go, you'll be blessed for it. Amen? Amen. You'll be blessed for it. Go, just go. Just go. Just go and let the Spirit move you. Words for your week. Words for your week. The, you got that one right. The church is Christ, heavenly. I used the word earlier in the sermon. Yep, somebody got it. Institution. The church is Christ's heavenly institution. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Give it to him, please. The church is Christ. It's a heavenly institution, and it's powered by the Holy Spirit. Powered by the Holy Spirit. Your question for the week? How full or how empty are you with the Holy Spirit? Where, where is he at in your life? I mean, are you living life the way you want to live, or are you living life the way that God asks us to live? And if you, you just tell me, you're a, are you a fourth of the way full? Are you half full with the Holy Spirit? Let me ask you, everybody say to me, how full do you think God wants you to be? Full. full. Now you just go and you ask God, how full am I? 
Are you recognizing where God's working in your life? Not just you personally, but the areas around your life. Are you recognizing it when you pull up to a car wash, when you pull up to a gas station, when you pull into your work? Are you paying attention to other people and seeing if their heads are down, if their frown is upon their face? Are you trying to bless them? Are you doing that? Because that's what we need to be doing. We need to be being the children of God. We need to be blessing people with the love of God. Amen? That's the things we need to be doing. Start, when you're filled with the Spirit, you start paying attention to everything around you. Because guess what? God is what? Everywhere. everywhere. Now, don't you want to work where God's at? Yes. He's everywhere. Pay attention to where he's working. And guess what? He'll join you because you're following him. Let's stand. I open up these tables today, and if you belong to Jesus Christ, you're welcome at these tables. Only if you belong to Jesus Christ. Some of you, you need to get right with God. Go through life being blessed by God, being filled by the Spirit, and watch the continents of your life, everything about your life change. God's not a, a Santa Claus in the sky. He's God. He's God that will go through great lengths to change you. But you've got to be willing. Come this morning. Read some of these testimonies. Get down here on your knees. Maybe for the first time in a long time. Get down here and let God know who you are. He already knows who you are, but he wants you to reveal it to him. Allow him to work in your life. And never stop. Amen? Never stop. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the fellowship of love, and we thank you for your grace. Father, I'm asking you to open up these hearts here today that we can live life with such a wonderful cause, the cause of Christ, and not live life without a cause. Father, help this church recognize that there is evil in this world. And there is good. And you are good. And we must come to you to be good. Not one good. Not one good. Until we come to you, Father. May you bless this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.